Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. So today we're talking about cover crops again, and we've got a couple farmers here with us, uh, part of that cover crop champion grant that we talked to Tim and Linda with a couple episodes ago. So we've got Jack Summers and Tim McDaniel, both farmers in the Champaign County area. So I'll have you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your farms. Jack, why don't you start? Okay. Well, I uh, I farm out northwest of Urbana mostly, and then uh, another 200 acres over east in Champaign County. It's totally different soil types than what we've got where I farm mostly along the Mad River Valley. We farm about 700 acres, uh, corn, soybeans, wheat, a little bit of hay, um, raised some pigs. We're doing Berkshire pigs for specialty market. We've uh, been 100% no-till since 1995 and actually started no-tilling back in 83. Um, and cover crops, we started in in, in 2012. It's our first experience. Tim? Uh, yes, I farm uh, basically from King Street to Mutual in eastern Champaign County. Um, we have corn, soybeans, and occasionally a little bit of wheat on some tougher ground so we can do some additional things with cover crops. Um, most of our ground has been continuously no-tilled for roughly 30 years. Um, we played with no-till and some ridge-till prior to that, but uh, continuous no-till for about 30 years. Uh, we've been using cover crops um, for close to 20 years. You know, we, we dabbled in it for a little while and then went, uh, you know, all of our soybean ground was, was cover crops for about 15 years now, and we've been um, we've been cover crops in our soybeans going to corn for five or six years now, as well as some continuous no-till corn with cover crops. So how did you become interested in using cover crops on your farm? Well, I guess I started hearing a little bit about it back prior to our first start. And uh, we had a meeting with some other guys and somebody said, anybody interested in doing some cover crops? And about 15 hands went up out of a group of 35 or 40 people. and. They said, well, we better look at that. So they made an opportunity available to us to, to start. So at that point, we uh, I was concerned about erosion and on this, particularly this rolling farm we've got, and I was concerned about nutrients being lost that weren't used, uh, in particularly at home, because I'm really close to the Urbana well field. So that's a concern with nitrogen there. So um, well, the first year we started in, we flew some annual ryegrass on and didn't do so good, but didn't do so bad, decided to do it again. And next year we did a few more acres and and ended up by 2015, 2016, doing all of our acres 100% with the, with the cover crops. Oh, about 20 years ago, we were, you know, we were continuously no-tilling. We were still having some erosion issues and felt like we needed to do something with that. So we started with a fertilizer buggy and been run wheat um, on our more erodible swales on our, on our rolling ground to try to control those, the erosion in those swales. Um, we kind of liked what we saw and thought, you know, why don't we take this a step further and had, uh, had a couple 10 acre strips aerial applied in the fall in standing crop. Uh, and then we planted into those in the spring, just kind of right on across the field, just like we did everything else. Um, didn't have any issues with that. And so then we went full bore, 
uh, cereal rye, aerial applied into our standing corn going to soybeans. And then uh, after we, you know, played with that for a few years, we decided, okay, we need to try to figure out how are we going to do this in soybeans going to corn. Um, so then we've started planting a uh, five or a six way mix of um, cereal rye, crimson clover, uh, hairy vetch, um, rapeseed, and peas in our soybeans going to corn. So you're using an airplane to fly that on? And Jack, you have a precision spreader that you're using. Yeah, we uh, we didn't like what we were getting done with the airplane, at least where we were, and maybe it's our timing. You know, it's got to be just about perfect to get the good stand, particularly in soybeans. So uh, we learned of a precision spreader, went to see it work, rented it for a while, and decided to buy one of our own. And so everything we do after corn and soybeans is done after harvest with the spreader. We have to put on a little bit more seed to do it, but. Uh, we're getting good stands for the most part if the weather holds and we can get, get things going. Uh, and then we start growing some wheat uh, and we drill after the wheat is uh, is harvested with a kind of a mix to get us ready for corn the next year. Yeah, so you both started with cereal rye um, and you mentioned you're, you've moved on to some mixes after wheat, Jack, and you've done some mixes as well. You've done a lot of mixes, Tim. So what's kind of been your guys' progression from cereal rye to doing a little bit more? Well, mine is primarily trying to get more variety of, of species to improve the soil health. We began to learn that the soil health is going to really improve, and maybe that was the biggest thing going rather than what we started out to do. And so after wheat, we get an opportunity to use some of the freeze-out stuff. So we're putting radishes in to take care of hard pan, and we're, we're adding some clover to grow nitrogen for the, for the corn crop that's going to follow and throw some oats in it to get us another species that will go with the volunteer wheat or volunteer rye, in our case, that, that uh, after we harvest it, that's still left on the field. You know, that always comes out the back of the combine, and regardless of what you think, it's still going to grow. <laughs> Yeah, for us, uh, once we saw what we could do with cereal rye, we started to look at, okay, what, what's next for us? What else can we do? What kind of other benefits can we achieve? Uh, looking in general for more diversity in what we're planting for soil health benefits. Uh, but then when you start to study different plant structures, different root structures, and the things that each of those species brings to, to your mix, you can accomplish a variety of things all at one time because each of those plants, some offer you uh, shallow, you know, uh, soil structure changes. Some of them offer deep rooting to break up uh, compaction and hard pan. Some of them will grow nutrients for you. Uh, some of them will bring up nutrients from deeper in the soil profile. And, you know, when they die, they release those back to the soil surface. So then we just kept, you know, what can we do with this next? What what else can we accomplish by by diversifying our plant species? I like that concept of you, you've got the problems that you've identified and you're kind of building almost a prescription based off of the cover crops you're picking to address those needs. I think that's a really cool way to look at it. A lot of concern people have when getting started with cover crops um, is the challenges they face, whether that's getting established or a big concern is in spring, what do you do with it? And I think it depends on what you're planting, of course, but what are the challenges that you guys have faced and how have you overcome those? 
One of the things for me, it's a whole management thing, you know, figuring out how to get everything done and when to get it done. And things are that year that makes it a little different. So you do things a little differently. Uh, probably the biggest concern, assuming that I got a good crop established, is when I'm going to terminate it and how I'm going to terminate it to get the cash crop that I'm dependent on for for my income. Um, so we try to go a little bit early. Uh, and we haven't got into a lot of planting green like Tim has, and he's, he's had good experience with that, and we need to be moving that direction. But uh, we're uh, just trying to decide when we're going to terminate, what the weather's condition is going to be. Am I going to leave it for a while in order to dry out the soil more, or am I going to take it now because it's going to be a dry period? And, I, and when am I going to plant, and can I plant in April like I like to, or am I going to have to wait until whenever, like the last two or three years have been, uh, so it, it's constant adjust, and I think our biggest issue, management issues, decide when to terminate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I would agree with Jack um, on all of that. But the but the one thing I think is important to look at here too is that we make, especially in the spring, there are a lot of things coming at us pretty fast, and we have to make changes on the move, kind of kind of thing. Uh, but no matter what your tillage, no tillage, strip till, cover crops, no cover crops, when to spray, what to spray, how big are the weeds if you've got to do a burn down. Uh, we're, we're doing that every day and it just changes the, it changes the question. But the question is always there. We've always got those decisions to make. It's just, it's just a different decision. But I think um, you continue to do it because you've seen some benefits. Um, you both have mentioned those when I've heard you talk, whether it's soil health. Jack, you've mentioned a particular incident where you saw drastic control of weeds in one of your fields. So why don't you touch on the benefits for your farms that have really come out since you've been doing this? Well, I think the biggest benefit is it's made our soils more resilient to whatever the impacts are they're going to be. If it's too wet, we create better water infiltration. If it's too dry, we manage to hold water for a longer period of time. If we've got a fall emerging weed problem, the rye will pretty much take a lot of that stuff out uh, that, that had been a problem before. We used to have to fall spray. Now we burn down the rye in the spring and it accomplishes the same purpose, plus the rye has already taken out most of those things that are, that are a problem. Um, so those are some of the benefits, and then the whole soil health thing. We just we just keep thinking that we're we're building more organic matter, that uh, that we're getting better at doing what we're doing, and we're getting better yields as a result of it. And I'd like to think we're getting higher quality product, but I can't say that. I can't testify to that. Uh, but there's a lot of things that happen in the soil that can really uh, really be, make it more resilient and let you get by some the issues that we have all the time anyway. Yes, I think we're getting some uh, some weed control effects uh, that's helping us with our chemical program, especially now we have water hemp coming into the area, and I think our cover crops are going to be a, a really big help in water hemp control. Uh, we're soil structure improvements. Um, you know, we're looking down the road to increased organic matter and, and deeper soil rooting. So, you know, we have these dry spells like we just went through here two to three weeks ago. Um, you know, if we have more water available to us and more depth of soil for those uh, crop roots to penetrate to access water, I think that's going to be a great benefit to us in the future. 
This is a lot of great information. And I think the program you guys are involved with here with the cover crop champions is really exciting because you're getting the opportunity to share these experiences with other farmers. So what would be maybe the top one or two things that you would give a farmer thinking about introducing cover crops into their farm as advice? One of our guys says, start small and hide it. So <laughs> nobody else can see it so that you can experiment with it and, and know what's going on. So start with a few acres, start with a simple program and then build from there and, and decide what it is you think is most important. If it's erosion control or you want to retain water, you plant a little different species to do those things. Uh, but whatever you do, get started doing something, learn, learn from your mistakes, improve them, expand. And that, that's pretty much what we did on our plate. I would say start small, start, start with something simple. Uh, but above all, know what you're trying to accomplish before you start. Because if you don't know what your end goal uh, is, you won't know when you're done uh, whether you met that goal or not. Uh, and then I'm, I'm not worried about hiding it. I think there's enough people that uh, have done it now that it's it's out there. It's not um, it's not the unusual thing it was 10 years ago, maybe. And I'm not so sure you have to hide it. I, I like that perspective. <laughs> I think sharing our mistakes is some of the best ways we get to learn from each other. You know, if you've made a mistake and, you know, Tim can learn from something that you did and not repeat it, I think that's nothing but benefit for all of us. That's awful hard when your neighbor calls you and said, what did you do in the back in that <laughs> 40 acres over there? <laughs> well, the good thing is you can always partner with Extension for Research and then you can just blame it on me. Yeah. Say, I let Elizabeth do that and she's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I, some of the conversation we had in our roundtable meeting this morning, guys asking, you know, can they kill it at this point or what should they plant? And I think it is important just what you're comfortable with, start there. If you don't want to deal with spring at all, then plant something that winter kills. And at least we're getting something out there and it's better than nothing. And then you start to get more comfortable with it and can build from there. And I think that's where all of our champions have started simple and then build up and start somewhere, right? So one of the other concerns, especially with current crop prices, is um, there's a lot of these uh, materials or seeds and you guys have been in it long enough. You kind of know what your cost of seed is, what your application cost is but you've also seen the benefits. Maybe it's a reduced spray that you have to go across one less time. So kind of where are you at with the cost and economics of it? Well, with what, what we're doing, we're using a combination of wheat and rye after all the soybeans and corn after harvest and we spread it. So, so our seed cost on that is, is somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to $9 an acre. Uh, our spreader, we can do 60 acres an hour, so we can get it on pretty fast and doesn't take a lot of manpower or a lot of equipment, although it's a specialized piece of equipment. That's another 750. So that one we've got $16, $17 an acre in uh, for what we're doing after wheat, but we use the, th the three-way seeding I'd mentioned earlier, and that runs about 30 bucks an acre with the drill being used to seed it, which costs more than our spreader does. Uh, the return on that is, you know, we get the equivalent of about 30 to 40 pounds of nitrogen for next year's corn crop. So it's kind of like corn after soybeans in terms of our nitrogen. So we're saving some fertilizer there. We would if we were just planting corn after wheat. 
Um, and we're getting that improved penetration with the root system that's given us more water infiltration and, and again, saving us some water that's going to make us maybe as much as seven bushel an acre, you know, if we can up our organic matter a little bit uh, in corn just to uh, just in the water holding capacity of that corn. I think Tim has mentioned earlier, it's like 27,000 gallons per acre that an inch of or a percent of organic matter will hold. And every time you build that up, that's more crop. And this time of year, an inch of water is just almost invaluable sometimes. Right. I mean, you know, and you might, you might get that inch effect more than once. Um, I would just say, you know, if you're concerned about tough economic times and you're, you know, this is granted that you're already uh, doing cover crops and you, you've put that into your budget, um, that you can look at different species. And we, we've gotten kind of to the point where we, um, where we figure out how many uh, seeds per acre that we want to plant. If you were seeding a, a commercial crop of wheat, you're going to plant 1.2, 1.3 million seeds per acre or something. So you can use that as a kind of a jumping off point. That's what we did for cover crops. Um, so, you know, maybe we're going to plant eight or 900,000 mm -hmm. seeds an acre of, of some combination to get us a mix to plant. Uh, so if I need to cut my cost, then I can go and I can say, okay, well, radish is kind of expensive per pound. Uh, so I'm going to take two pounds of radish out of my mix at X number of seeds a pound. That's so many dollars. Now I want to put that, uh, that equivalent amount of seeds per acre back into my mix. But I'm going to look at something else that I think I can get a similar effect. Maybe that radish was going to give me, but yet at a lower cost per per pound of seeds so that I can, I can cut my, my cost of my mix, but keep the same number of seeds per acre, keep my population the same and get a, get a similar effect, but cut it through changing my mix. Yeah. There's a lot of different options out there. So you might see the price of something and go, whoa, but I mean, there's, you know, 20 different seeds, maybe even more that you could use as cover crops. So lot of options to if you want to get started it doesn't have to be a hindrance i don't think well one last thing that i want to mention is we are doing a drive it yourself tour it's september 17th from 5 to 8 p.m so jack has one of those farms on the tour it's northern champaign and to logan county um tim Lydon, who was on our podcast earlier and then Tom Smith as well. So um, you can find that information. We'll put it in the corn newsletter. I've got it up on the Champaign County website. And, or just, um, if you know one of our farmers, hit them up for the information. But we'd love to see you out, see some crops and mixes that are growing after wheat um, to get you excited about growing cover crops as well. So thank you guys so much for sharing. I think it's a wonderful outlet where we can all start learning from each other and be successful. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode.